Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Hey, hello there. Welcome back to The Burt Not Ernie Show. And wow, here we are. It is a new decade. It is 2020, y'all. What in the world? I don't know if all of my listeners are old enough to remember the turn of the century, or um, actually it was the turn of the the millennia. It was crazy. Back in 2000, and the year 2020 just seemed like super far away. It was way down the road. It was almost unforeseeable. And now it's here in living color, ready or not, um, I guess here it is. So uh, it's like time waits for no man and all that kind of jazz. So anyway, I just had to say happy new year, happy new decade, happy 2020. Here is, um, here's what I want to talk about today before we get into today's episode, which is going to be looking at the New Testament verse Uh, something the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. And I just want to kind of give you an idea, a little background about Paul and his letter to the the church at Corinth, his letters to the church at Corinth. He was writing to a very troubled church body. And it's good for us to kind of keep that in mind when we read in 1 and 2 Corinthians. It's... um, it kind of sets the tone for things. It's important to remember that they were something of kind of a hot mess in a lot of ways. And that's not me exaggerating. That's just, that's pretty much well-known absolute fact. So I don't know very many people who, uh, like, I mean, people that I'm super close to that I consider close friends more than just acquaintances. I don't mean like social media people that I know. Um, And also I do work at home, so I don't really have coworkers per se, so like my, when I say the people that I know, I'm talking about family, my, my church family, um, people that, that I know, know, I don't know a lot of people who are mourning the end of 2019 this year. Wow. This year was just across the board, equal opportunity, just plain flat out hard for most of us. It was not biased and it did not play favorites. It just was equal opportunity hard for so many of us. It was painful. 2019 to me just is like, ouch, for the most part. There were some great high points. My daughter got married to an absolutely amazing man and they live just up the road for us and that's just terrific. And there were some really bright spots, absolutely. But overall, for a lot of people, they weren't really crying when they said goodbye to 2019, if that makes sense. It just was rough. It was rough. Now, some of us had an idea going into 2019 that it would be rough. You know how sometimes you just kind of know that there are going to be some hard things. Some hard things are coming. But then when it's over, so much of the hard will kind of pass. That was like sort of the general feel of the last year. It was long. It was difficult. And it downright hurt. 
So if that is kind of how 2019 played out for you, if that's an accurate description, just know that I've prayed for you today as I work on this episode and as I'm recording it, you've been prayed for. I don't know your name and maybe probably have never met you in quote unquote real life, but nonetheless, I have prayed for you as this new year gets started. It's just, um, my heart is just that the Lord will comfort you and encourage you and bless you and give you a sense of peace and the very highest measure of his grace and his favor. That's really what I asked him to provide for everybody who listens. This podcast isn't isn't much to offer. It kind of feels like the widow's mites, like a meager offering, but it's what I can do to obey Jesus's call to give freely, just as I have freely received. It's a it's the best way that I can at this moment in time in this season of my life give freely as he gave. So it might be a meager offering, but I just pray that God blesses it and that you receive some sort of encouragement, that you walk in a new level of freedom or favor or faith. That would just be, that'd be the best. That would be awesome. So um, walk in grace and walk in the Lord's goodness. And I also have been praying that he would reveal his great and unending and undying and unquenchable love to you right now in this very moment, because that's the kind of love he has for you right now, right here. In Jesus' name, I pray that, that Lord would just bless you. And he will. I believe that he will. May this new year be so much less hard than 2019 was. So, okay, so let's jump into our verse today, 1 Corinthians 2.12, and I'm going to read um, a different version than I have read before on the pad- podcast. What's a podcast? I don't know from the podcast. I'm going to read from the Berean Study Bible. And then I'm going to share a couple of other versions in the show notes so you can see I'm not just searching out a version of this verse that kind of phrases things in the way that best suits me and, and works for my needs. I want to encourage you always, always check what someone teaches from the Bible. Open up your Bible and read it and study it. And that's kind of funny because that's what the word Berean means. The Bereans actually did check and study and make sure that what they were being taught lined up with all of the whole counsel of the Word of God. So it's kind of ironic that I'm telling you that as I read from the Berean Study Bible translation. But just do that for yourself. It's too important to take for granted. And God wants you to know His Word for yourself because it's His personal love letter to you. So read it. 1 Corinthians 2.12, Berean Study Bible says, We have not received the spirit of the world by the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Okay, let me read that again, because I have by written, and I think it should be but. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Okay, so what what's the promise here? What's the Lord promising us? This one is kind of a tricky verse. Do we need to take a look at the rest of the passage, maybe? Do we need to find some context clues? Um, When I look at the header for chapter 12 in my Amplified Bible, it reads, Paul's reliance upon the Spirit. And in the New Living Translation, it says Paul's message of wisdom. So right there, that tells me this is going to be a deep passage, a deep chapter of the Bible. There's going to be a lot here, and it might even be a bit heady because Paul was smart, y'all. And sometimes when he got to talking, it's like, wow, definitely he knew his stuff. He was an educated man, so it could be a bit heady. But we can safely say, based on 
based on this verse and then based on those two headers that give us an idea of what the chapter is about, Paul's reliance on the Spirit and Paul's message of wisdom, we can say with, with certainty, we can safely say Paul wanted them to know he was not coming to them with even one little bitty iota of human wisdom. That's good to know because he was a smart man. So he's letting us know this isn't about his wisdom. This entire message was based on the Lord's wisdom, and that is available to every single Christ follower via the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Wisdom is available to all believers, and it's not anything at all like the world's wisdom. Not at all. Zero percent like the world's wisdom. Listen, the Holy Spirit cannot be compared to a worldly spirit, and we have access to his guidance in our lives every single minute of every single day. So, okay, that's general. That's a pretty general overview, but it gives us a bit of a foundation as we zoom in now on verse 12 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. Something that kind of jumped out at me as I was reading this is that when we feel oppressed, I could say if we feel oppressed, but I think at some point in time in everyone's life, we probably all feel a little bit weighted down, pressed upon, oppressed. So when we feel oppressed or if we're feeling like we're kind of living under the spirit that governs the world, uh, we have to know beyond any, every, any semblance of a doubt any inkling of a doubt, we have to know that we know that it's not God's will for us. It is not God's will for us to feel like we're living under the spirit that governs this world. And what do I mean when I say spirit that governs this world? Well, the Bible is very clear. It talks about the prince of the power of the air in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, particularly the book of Daniel, we have examples of demonic forces, of evil spirits that work against the Lord's angels when they were trying to keep God's work and God's will from being done in the lives of people on earth. We have Daniel praying and an angel appears to him and says, it took me so long to come. Your prayer was heard instantly and God sent the answer instantly, but my enemy was fighting against me in the spiritual realm and the unseen areas that we can't see with our human eye. And it took me 21 days. I was delayed for 21 days. So this is not um, me getting all weird or anything on you. I'm just saying this is what the Bible absolutely says. And I very much believe every single bit of God's word is true. It's trustworthy, and it's all written there for us, for our benefit. So sometimes when a prayer isn't answered as quickly as we think, it's good to keep in mind neither was Daniel's, and it wasn't because Daniel did anything wrong. It was because there was a real fight going on. Satan is real, and he does not want God's will getting done in this world. He wants us to kind of be his kingdom. When the New Testament says that he is the prince of the power of the air, it's making the point that this is a fallen world and sin is ruining things and wrecking things and reigning. It's very real. There are impacts to the evil forces at play in the world. And we need to realize that we aren't just living in um, a happy place. This isn't Disney World. It's not the happiest place on the planet. The real world is filled with pain and there are dark forces at play against us. So when I talk about that spirit that governs the world and living under it, that's kind of what I mean from a biblical point of view. The world spirit is, um, he's not nice and polite in any way, shape or form. Uh, there are there are forces that are like, think of them as minions, but not like the cute yellow ones. Think of them as evil minions that are always actively at work in this world. They want to influence people. 
They also want to create strongholds in people's lives and even in specific areas of the world. They want to keep building one particular stronghold uh, bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you've studied very much of history, I think you'll know what I'm talking about, how it's like certain areas, it's almost amazing to go, wow, I can't believe how that particular spot was so overwhelmed with X, Y, or Z, but then just a few miles away, that's not even an issue. So he builds strongholds uh, because he doesn't want, look, if he can't keep people from salvation, right? If you know Christ, you are, you're safe in the palms of his hand and no one can snatch you out of Jesus's hand. If he can't keep you from that, he does want to build strongholds in your life to kind of wreck on your life as much as he possibly can because he just hates God so much. So um, strongholds get created in people's lives. There's evil to influence people uh, and also trying to bring constant chaos and disorder where the Lord would rather there be peace and order. He always wants to bring peace and order. Satan always wants to bring chaos and disorder. This is, seriously, this is very biblical. I'm not going rogue or anything. Sometimes we fail to live well as Christians because we fail to identify the evil coming against us. The worldly spirit that is working to prevent what our good and loving Father wants to happen. Okay, so I'm sure that makes a little bit of sense and also probably sounded like a little bit of gibberish. So as another total side note rabbit trail here, the book of Daniel would be a really great way to kick off the new year. You could read through it in a day or two. And uh, wow, you know, that would be the perfect way really to start the new year. Uh, So I'm going to encourage you to read all of the book of Daniel here in the new year. Like just decide that you're going to read it before the end of January and then read Psalm 1 right after you finish reading Daniel and just pray that Psalm over your life and over your year, your whole year. Okay. Rabbit trail over back to our verse in first Corinthians. So if we feel oppressed, like we're living under a dark and heavy cloud, guys, that's not God's will for us. It absolutely is not. The entire Bible makes that undisputable. We have not received the spirit of the world, but we have rather received the Holy spirit and he has quote unquote, ownership rights, so to speak. If the Holy Spirit dwells here in us, can an illegal spirit also dwell here too? No, the answer is no. So when you're feeling oppressed, if you know Jesus, it's not uh, an evil spirit inside of you. You're just being oppressed from the outside because the Holy Spirit cannot dwell with a satanic spirit. So you don't ever have to wonder about that. That's just There's no way those two can fit together. Sometimes we convince ourselves that that can be true. It's not true. Oppression and possession are not the same thing. And you are, you are owned. The Holy Spirit has ownership rights and he's good at taking care of his stuff. So that's how we can be certain it's not God's will for us to be under the influence or oppressed by the spirit of the world. Think about that phrase under the influence. We often think of it in terms of alcohol or drugs. They were under the influence, right? But the word under is there for a reason. You're underneath of it and it is over you, pushing you down, oppressing you, governing you, uh, overshadowing you, creating a cloud over your life. We don't want to be under the influence of anything that's evil. That's not God's will for us. We don't belong to this world any longer. Our home is with the Lord in heaven and we're just on our way home. We're like sojourners. We're just on our way home. Um, That's where we're going to end up. This is not our home. And so we don't have to live like we belong to this world 
and all of the things that come with belonging to this world. So it's really important to take our feelings. It's so important to take our feelings to literally grab hold of the way that we're feeling, to grab those feelings by the throat and put those feelings directly underneath of the authority of the word of God. That's the right kind of under the influence that we want to have. Put your feelings under the authority of God's word rather than living under the influence of your enemy who does not care about you. Why would you choose to do that? Instead, choose to put your feelings under the authority of the word of God because he does love you so much more than we could even fathom. So often the very answer that we need for the way that we feel or the dilemma that we're facing, it's right there at our fingertips. We It's right there at our Bibles. Just open the Bible and see what the answer to the dilemma is. Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that you have to feel such and such a way as if you had no choice in the matter. Totally not true. It's just not true. You have received the spirit of God and he does not share you with the enemy, period. I'm going to say it again. If you know Christ, you have received the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit does not share you with the enemy, period. I also noticed when I looked at this verse, I also noticed that the Holy Spirit is promising. He's going to help us to understand better and better and better, as in ever increasing measure what God has given to us. That one is interesting because we often feel like we ought to have like an automatic download or we think, uh, we just don't think about it, I guess. Maybe we don't think we should have an automatic download of everything that God has given us. Or maybe we feel like I'm reading my Bible. I'm spending time in prayer. I know what God has promised to me. And that can all be true. But throughout every season of your life, you're going to learn to understand more richly, more deeply what it means when uh, when the word of God says that it's ever increasing measure of what God has given to us. You're going to keep growing in understanding how much God loves you how much God is merciful to you, how much God wants you to be about his kingdom work and to reach your fullest potential in him, how much he wants to bless you, uh, how much he thinks about you. As many as uh, the grains on on all the beaches of the world, that's equivalent to his thoughts toward you and they're even more than that. So you're going to keep growing in ever-increasing measure in your understanding of what God has given to you. Uh, but, you know, often Christians live like they've had things taken away from them. Now, okay, we aren't going to say that. We don't say that in those exact words, but we express it in a myriad of ways. Like we might we might say, I never said that when it's exactly what we expressed via our behaviors. And newsflash, that isn't going to fly with God. We cannot... We cannot do what little children do. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been around kids very much, you know what I'm talking about. So-and-so did this, and they run in and say, but I didn't say that. Okay, you didn't say that, but everything that you did indicated that that's exactly what your intention was. We don't want to do that as Christians. We don't want to say, well, that's not what I said, if that's what we believe, if that's what we're showing the world around us, Christians and unchristians, if that's what we're exhibiting, then That's the same thing as saying it. We can't hide behind the fact that I didn't say those words. We can't pretend that we don't sometimes live like we've had things taken away from us. Um, We can't just say, well, that's, I would never say that out loud. Well, that doesn't mean you're not living like you believe that. We have to, we have to, first of all, be honest, be honest and say, yeah, we do that. Sometimes we live under our circumstances and we live as if we've had things taken away from us, but we need to 
dial it back and look at this verse and see that we are promised God's spirit will. Hey, guess what? When it says God's spirit will, that actually means he will. Will means will. God's spirit will help us understand what God has fully, not partially, not itty bitty, not scarcely, not minimally. God is not a minimalist, folks. He's also not into fads. He's not going to shift with whatever the current cool uh, circumstance is. That's not God. He's exactly who he is. He's exactly who he's always been. And when he says he has given you something fully, that is 100% your truth. When you feel like maybe you haven't fully been given um, something that the Bible says, that God has fully given to you, remind yourself, God's not a minimalist. He's not living in a tiny house and he's not asking you to. He's not saying you can only have five books like Marie Kondo, who, by the way, you know what? Don't listen to her. And that's for a whole nother story, but don't, yeah, you just need to sayonara to that because it does not align with the word of God. If you're a Christian, you don't need that in your life. Trust me on that one. That might be a topic for another day, but God's not saying you can have five books because I have five books. No, fully means fully. Richly means richly. Listen, like, listen, Linda, listen, listen, Linda. God is generous in all things. He is a generous giver. He is a generous God. We can, we can counter that in our own lives with our own doubts, our own lack of faith, faithlessness, will convince us that God is not generous. A lack of belief, our fear-based way of thinking. If you've got fear, it's often the loudest voice in the room. And who are we usually listening to? Whoever speaks loudest. Our own fear, our own doubts, our own lack of faith, our own lack of belief, that can make us perceive wrongly that God is somehow not generous. Let me just encourage you, do not, don't give into this. Just counter this truth. Embrace this truth. Don't just push back against it and say, it's not true. God's, God's generous. I know he's generous. He's given me fully. I know that. Um, how about we go a step beyond that? Embrace it. Embrace the truth that God is a generous giver. The cross proves that with total ultimate finality. Shame on us. Shame on us for ever thinking God is anything but generous toward us. Um, you know what? I, I realize I probably sound like I'm on a rant or something today, but I'm pretty passionate about this. God has more for us than we could possibly imagine, and Satan is ripping us off. So um, if I sound super like over-the-top pumped about this or a little bit pushy and aggressive, I, I do apologize if I sound that way, but I don't apologize for desperately wanting everybody who listens to this to not fall for the lies of Satan anymore, that God's not generous toward them, that God doesn't fully love them. Oh yeah, he is generous toward you. And oh yeah, he fully loves you. He fully loves you. We shouldn't expect ourselves to, of our own accord, all by our lonesome, out of the depths of our own profound understanding and our own wizened minds to be able to grasp what God has given us all on our own. Look, I can't do that. You can't do that. Nobody who's ever lived on this planet can do that. No way. This verse says the Holy Spirit helps us to understand all that God has given us. And we need that. There is no end to how wide and how high and how deep is God's love for us. We need the Holy Spirit to help us understand more and more and more fully what God has given to us. So that's two things. First, in the right measure. And second, it's at the right time. 
The Holy Spirit's going to help us understand all that God has given us in the right measure and at the right time. You don't need to go rail against the Lord for not giving you your very own personal version of total understanding. Listen, we're Christ followers. We are not those who are striving toward total enlightenment, right? We're Christ followers. We're not we're not going to dictate what the Lord helps us understand or when he does so. We're just going to believe him that we're going to continue to understand in ever increasing measure more fully what he has fully given to us. So the definition of the word promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing, give good grounds for expecting a particular occurrence, a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect or to claim the performance of a specified act. You've got promises. You've got, they're yours. You've got promises and 1 Corinthians 2.12 is one of them. Grab hold of this. Grab hold of this and hang on tight as 2020 gets to rolling. And also, I just want to say, I'm, I'm feeling like I want to share one more time this particular point. Just, I just want to share this again right here at the end. You have received the Holy Spirit. You have received the Spirit of God, and he does not share you with the enemy, period. I think that's a word for somebody right now. I really think it is. And just a super quick mention um, really fast, actually, of the 2020 New Year New Beginnings Conference that I'm speaking at. I have a few different sessions. One is on uh, bite-sizing your goals, which uh, I just kind of share about different techniques I learned. I'll give you a, a quick snippet of why I had to learn how to bite-size my goals. The Lord called us to be a homeschooling family. I homeschooled all five kids from preschool until high school graduation. I was their guidance counselor. I helped with college applications, uh, dual enrollment stuff, uh, the whole shebang. So teaching multiple grades is a big deal. I never once didn't finish our curriculum for the year. Our kids always learned what they needed to learn at grade level. That doesn't mean, um, that means I did my part. It doesn't mean I did their part. It doesn't mean they're perfect by any means. But some of this I did while running a children's ministry at our church. Um, other parts of this I did while my husband was deployed to the other side of the world and then almost died from a non-combat injury. So I had to learn how to kind of bite-size out my goals and make them doable instead of like some big vague thing that I didn't know how I was going to get from point A to point Z. I just bite-sized them out. So I have those tips at a conference on goals. I have another session on um, the orphan spirit, which was the hardest thing I've ever done. I've never had such resistance from Satan in my life as I did putting together the session on redeeming an orphan spirit. That doesn't mean we're orphans. It means that we live like we're orphans and God has so much better for us. And uh, then I have another kind of um, a session in there that I'm not going to share too much about, but it is um, it is from a heart of great love for God's people. So, and there are tons of other ones, tons of other conferences on meal. Uh, the sessions are involved are, oh gosh, there's meal planning, there's organization. Um, of course, there's stuff involved with your Christian faith. I could go on and on, uh, but tickets are on sale. I'm going to put the link in the show notes, but they're only on sale through the end of the conference, which is January 10th. It's all online and you have lifetime access, but after Friday, January 10th, you can't buy tickets anymore. So check out that link. Um, and let's see, I think that's about it, but don't, don't not check it out because you're worried about the ticket price. You're going to get your money's worth over and over again. There's $500 worth of freebies. There'll be giveaways, uh, mostly because I just want to say you're absolutely not an orphan, but you might be living and acting as if you are. And you can check out this conference to find out. But also, if anything in this podcast episode resonated with you, the Lord might be speaking to you about 
wanting to heal you of the lie that an orphan spirit is constantly selling into your life. And you know, one important thing to note is that think about a peddler. You guys know what a peddler is? I mean, think about um, a really nasty part of an uncivilized area in the world, some town where there's just like muddy streets and the raw sewage is getting thrown out into the middle of the street and the buildings are decrepit and falling down. And this is just a rough part of the world. And then you think of some cart that is just, it's got ew written all over it. It's fallen apart. And the wares that they're trying to sell, that that peddler is trying to peddle you, are they're just, they're worthless. Now think about a daughter or a son of the king in that particular part of the world. Do you think that that child of the king would find their way to that part of town and buy things from that peddler? No, no, they wouldn't. That's kind of what we do, though, as Christians, when we live like we have an orphan spirit. We are buying from a street peddler that uh, we just have to not buy what he's selling, right? If he's laying it down, we ain't picking that up because we know who we are. We're children of the king of all kings, the king of all kings. And so we don't buy from him. Um, You can also find me on Instagram at Titus2DiscipleJanBurt. And you can email me anytime at JanLBurt at Outlook.com. That is all I've got for today, and thanks for hanging in here with me. I am, um, I am under the weather, and I think I probably, I think you can hear it in my voice, and you can hear it uh, in my. I sound a little bit more intense when my voice gets weird when I'm sick like this, so um, I apologize for that. But I don't apologize for, for wanting God's promises to get into the people of God. So Lord bless you today, and really. Happy New Year. I'm praying for you. I'm so thankful that you joined me today. I hope that this year is so blessed above and beyond what your last year was like. I really do pray that for you. Okay, that's it for today. See you next time. Bye-bye. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.